gospel in three days. Yesterday uh, we did Friday. Today we're going to do uh, Saturday, kind of. We're going to mostly talk about waiting. Um, John Ortberg, uh, somebody uh, told me uh, yesterday, apparently has written a book around uh, the gospel in three days, which uh, I would have helped if I'd read before I'd done it. <laughs> I certainly can't be accused of stealing from him because I can't where he'd done it yesterday. Um, somebody, maybe somebody here uh, me after the Tuesday night uh, sermon sent me this wonderful quote, quote from Stokes Mason, which I had almost quoted in my sermon, and I must have read that sometime in my life, but it had been so long ago that I had forgotten kind of, kind of where I heard some of that, so um, I didn't intentionally steal from Socialism, it's just that he crept so far into my heart that those lines kind of stuck there, which isn't all bad. Um, and then tomorrow we'll talk about uh, Resurrection uh, Sunday. Um, before I distracted myself, uh, Ortberg uh, apparently, from what I'm told, says about that Saturday, uh, that was the one day when nobody One of those sort of take your breath away sort of thoughts, maybe the one day in the history of the world where nobody can quite bring themselves to believe in the resurrection. And it's not because Jesus hasn't talked about it some, but they don't exactly have you know, a box to put that in. to uh, uh, start out by, uh, by singing a song to make the bridge from yesterday uh, to today. Uh, I didn't secure a song leader. I'm now wishing that I had, uh, which, which means I'm going to uh, lead it. Uh, me leading the song is a little like asking the Boston Strangler for a neck massage. Uh, <laughs>
great things about coming to uh, Pepperdine is I, I get to see some of my favorite former students in the world and some others. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll let the students in the room sort that out. Uh, give, give you something to talk about afterwards. Uh, how long ago were you, my John? Twenty-two years ago. Uh, so I might occasionally bring his little daughters in to, to say hello. She just got married. <laughs> um, and there was a student there about the same time uh, John Micah was. And he may uh, identify this person, but that's fine. Uh, I, I won't be identifying him. But they were a, a non-traditional uh, student, a little older. felt like he was one moment away from you know, disaster, sort of vigilant. And um, the song that we sang had become his mantra. Um, whenever he really wanted a drink, which allow the tide 
strand you there so that you couldn't get off of it until the end of the day. And I thought, if ever there was a place where you could do business with God, it's got to be on Cuthbert's Island. I'm going to go stay over there. So Cuthbert's Island is just a little rocky outcropping with some, some grass on top of it, and somebody has put a cross there. And uh, <laughs> as, as we think about where we go, I had this vision in my mind of what this experience should be like. Uh, I go and pack a lunch. Excellent idea. Take my Bible. And I'm going to sit out there on that grassy knoll, pray, read the Bible, eat my lunch, take a nap, see how God will meet me there. Now, uh, even for one who is fairly ignorant of the ways of the world, this plan on an island off the coast of England is an unlikely plan. And so, I walk over there early in the morning, strain myself, and this pelting rain starts. <laughs> and there's no way, you know, wind is howling, I can't get off this island. And, you know, I, I'm just miserable. I can't lay on the grass, I can't read my Bible, my lunch is so, I, I was just miserable. Um, at one point I started, I thought I started to hallucinate. Saturday 
doesn't get much play in Scripture because it's the day of the great nothingness. The day when nothing happens. It's the day between the times. And in a real way, it becomes the, uh, the kind of sign and symbol for Christians who continue to live between the times. That Saturday is the waiting time between the crucifixion and the resurrection. We are now in the waiting time between the resurrection and the yeah, return, okay? And so we are still in this basic waiting stance. Now, the Bible does have some things to say about that. Um, okay, let's have a Bible quiz. Um, you, you sang that song so well, you probably know your Bible too. Um, <laughs> with my freshman, I have a Bible quiz. The quiz is, do you have a Bible? Um, <laughs> if you were going to pick a chapter of the New Testament that is kind of the classic place to think about waiting. What would that chapter be? Hmm. What's that? Romans 8? That's not a bad choice. In fact, let's read Romans 8. <laughs> it is so good working with people who've read the Bible. <laughs> Romans 8 is the chapter on Christian waits in eager expectation uh -huh. waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed for the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God we know that the whole creation has been Groaning is in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as children, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. The hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently.
So I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to think through where, where sort of the, the Christian way uh, to wait. What is, what is the stance of waiting? Um, and so to make a bridge from yesterday, uh, the, the, the first thing I want to say is, is really simple. Uh, we, we wait with gratitude. Uh, we can't be anything
Christological in all of their thinking except in election. And they started trying to figure out, well, is this one part of the elect? Is this one part of the elect? Is this one part of the elect? And uh, I promise you that is a losing game. some cases it seems like he would have had very good reasons not to. But he elected to make human beings his covenant partner and you contributed nothing to that. God created you and then said I'll pick you for my team. And went to extraordinary lengths Um, I, I touched uh, Tuesday night, I just touched and skated because I didn't have time to talk about it uh, properly. And, uh, while it is Orthodox Christianity, it's hard to get our mind around. Uh, I, I, I am convinced that when Jesus Christ took on human nature, he didn't, he, he was fully human. And that means, fully divine, fully human, uh, that, that means took on our finiteness, our, our limitation. For instance, Jesus could only be at one place in one time when he's being Jesus. Now, he can get someplace else quicker than we can sometimes. But these, these basic, basic limitations. Uh, I also want to argue that whatever there is that went wrong with us at the fall, Jesus took on that too. And he manages to take on what Paul describes as the sinful nature and still remain himself sinless. Now, by the way, that deserves respect. <laughs> um, but what's important about that is, uh, do you remember that when Jesus died, he died plumb dead? Guess what else died? Sinful human nature. That died. And I know, I know, I know you're thinking uh, to yourself, well, it doesn't seem very dead. Uh, but I promise you, uh, what you are seeing is a zombie.
this is a story that draws you in when you see the extent of um, God's love. So um, I'm encouraging you to lean in to gratitude while you're waiting. Uh, in fact, I would suggest that when you're waiting in those places you really hate to wait, you might make those times when you offer prayers of gratitude. And you might find out that you don't have quite enough time to say everything you want to say. You may tell your doctor, now I need a little more time before I come to see you. And, but a couple more of you late mergers like to come on. sin is arrogance. 
original sin is the desire for our independence. Um, it's also the sin that we really can't keep from committing. Uh, it's not just that we do bad things. It's that the good things that we do are tainted by our desire to justify ourselves. Hard, hard not to do that. Uh, and that's why it's significant that when God saves the world, does it by his son going into the far country. Jesus becomes the prophet. He goes into the far country. Uh, he, um, he becomes the humiliated one. He did not count equality with God something to be greedily held on to, but emptied himself, took on the form of a servant,
and uh, in our humble, grateful waiting. In Romans 8, Paul also makes it clear we are waiting in hope. That is, we're, we're waiting the confidence that this baby is going to be born, that God is going to finish uh, what he started, uh, that he is going to set all things aright. And um, it is really easy right now to give in to despair. Um, in fact, I think I could make a very good case for despair. I think I could argue the case that if you're not mostly in despair, you just aren't paying accepting all of the good gifts that Christianity has given the world and then forgetting where you got them. And if you think those things will survive the death of Christianity, you are badly mistaken. Because there is nothing to problem up. I'm telling you our whole notion of human dignity and human rights is deeply in in the biblical narrative. Apart from Christianity, those things don't even happen in the West. The way they happen is largely because of Christian influence. Um, many of you know my, uh, my, my academic uh, work is in the area of uh, post-modernity, and I'm a particular fan of Nietzsche, uh, good old Friedrich.
without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages.